The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. Well, good afternoon. My name is Tor. I, I normally tell people it's Tor like a tornado, but I, I was studying uh, TAFE at, uh, at, at one stage at my last year of uni, and I said it's Tor like a tornado, and the instructor said, no, it's Tor like a tormentor. So if that helps you to say my name, that would be terrific. We'd love you to ask questions. And if you've got any questions, as Lachlan uh, said, uh, SMS those questions, and then we'll, we'll have a go at answering them. I want to share with you three stories. First of all, there's Matt. Now, my mate Matt loves iProducts. Every time Apple launches a new iPhone or iPad or iMac or whatever, he has to have it, the latest one. And Matt loves overseas holidays. So whenever Virgin or Scoot send him an updated email about their latest offer, uh, Matt seriously considers whether or not he's got enough leave to go. Matt is always looking for the next thing to make him happy. Uh, Hillary, Hillary's been married for 10 years and Hillary works long hours and her husband also works long hours. And it's a bit of an issue in terms of how much they work but they, they need more time together. But the even bigger issue is that Hillary's not feeling the love. In her relationship with her husband, they've lost that loving feeling. Well, Victor is a junior doctor. And his, uh, his dream is to become a senior doctor. He's not content to be a junior doctor. He wants to be uh, one of the big wigs in the hospital that he, he's working at. Uh, what can give Victor lasting contentment? Well, this afternoon, as we share lunch together, we're looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians. And the author, Paul, is in jail. He's on the inside for sharing the Christian message. The Christian message, that's how dangerous People in the first century considered it so dangerous that they, they, they locked Paul up in prison. But think about it, even in the world now, there are parts of Pakistan or China or Vietnam where it's not safe to be a Christian who shares the Christian message. And I don't know, what was it like in your workplace? I've got friends in workplaces, even here in Australia, where the subject of God, faith and eternity are taboo subjects. Well, in today's talk, from Paul's letter to the Philippians, we're examining Paul's final topic in the final part of his letter, chapter 4, verse 10 to 23. And the topic is contentment. Now, when we think of contentment, I think of the Buddha. You get an image of the Buddha, and there's the picture of serenity. The peaceful pose of the Buddha is the image of contentment. Now, I'm from a, a Buddhist background. I wonder if anyone in our distinguished audience this afternoon is also. Is anybody else from a Buddhist background like, like myself? All oh, right, I can speak authoritatively and freely. <laughs> well, I grew up in a Buddhist home, and through the, my grandparents' influence, we went to a temple in Bonnyrigg. So I remember being there for the opening of the grand Buddhist temple in Bonnyrigg, and I, I video recorded. In the days when no one had a video camera, I had a video camera. These days I'm uh, Tor the Luddite. I don't have any technology, but I'm catching up, I'm catching up. And I loved being Buddhist. 
It was part of my identity. And in order to explore uh, Buddhism a bit further, I looked for academic stuff in English. And so I read stuff that the Thais had translated, you know, Thai venerables had translated into English to explore uh, the Buddhism of, of my history. Now, how are you content in the Buddhist faith? In the Buddhist faith, instead of the, the highs, where you're really, really happy, and the lows of emotion, where you're really, really sad, you want the middle path. And in order to get the middle path, you let go of your attachment to things in this world. You let go of desire. Because if you let go, if you don't attach yourself to things, if you rid yourself of desire, then you'll neither be very joyful nor disappointed. And enlightenment, or nirvana, I understood, was where you're totally detached from desire. Well, how about the, the Christian faith? In the Christian faith, in order to see the Christian view on what contentment is, we have uh, two questions to consider. Firstly, who is God and what is faith? And from that we can look at the Christian view of contentment. Well, firstly, who is God? And in this slide, I deliberately have no picture because God is invisible. God is beyond creation. God is not material. God is spirit. Because God, in the Bible, is the creator of all things, visible and invisible. The universe, the stars, the sun, Mount Everest, the snowy river. God controls everything. And even the South China Sea. China might think that they own it as they uh, battle with the Philippines and Vietnam and all the rest. But in the Bible, God is the creator and God owns everything. And the Bible also reveals God as Father. And what do fathers do? They protect, they care, they provide. Well, what is God like and what can God do? God is good and God is powerful. And what can God do? Anything. God can do anything he likes, according to the Bible. Well, how can we relate with God? We can relate with God by faith. Now, let me explain the idea of faith. Now, yesterday, I went to give a talk in Parramatta, and I'm a bit, um, uh, I, I'm a bit challenged, geographically challenged. So thank God I've, I finally got a, a, one of those uh, smartphones, and I use Google Maps a lot. But I don't have much data, so I, I, I'm a bit tight with that too. So um, I didn't. But I, I, I trusted, I relied upon my mate Kim's careful directions that I jotted down. I wrote them all down. And I said, look for the white building, look for the blue building. And then I forgot, I'm also colourblind. So there I was wandering around Parramatta asking people. But finally, I got there. But I could trust, I could have faith in Kim's directions. Uh, yesterday, I also happened to see the dentist yesterday afternoon. And when, when you go see the dentist... And that I, I, I had two feelings, and uh, they start putting things into your mouth. It requires a lot of trust, huh? Like, you're pretty powerless, and they can do whatever they want to you. Well, thank God I found a, a reliable dentist, because I used to go see a dentist, and they charged me $1,000 every time I saw him. I think I saw him four months in a row. It's a bit like seeing a mechanic, and they'd say, you need a $5,000 repair job, and you've just got to have faith and trust them. But sometimes they're not, they're not trustworthy, huh? Well, thank God I found a trustworthy dentist. I just want to show that... Faith or trust or reliance or dependence is an everyday thing. We uh, trust people. But you want, to only, you want to trust the trustworthy. Well, what's the secret of contentment? For the Christian person, the secret of contentment 
is one, knowing who God is, and two, relating to God by faith. The secret of contentment for the Christian person is to say something along the lines of, I trust God, my Father, who is good and who's able to give me everything that I need. Well, Paul is the insider on contentment. Paul is in jail, and yet he's amazingly content as we read what he's got to say. So I want to use Paul as an illustration of three questions that we're going to have a look at. And the way we're going to do this is uh, we'll consider the question, I'll, I'll share something from Philippians, we'll look at the principle, and then what the secret to contentment is. The first question is... How can you be content whether you have a little or a lot? And where we get uh, the teaching from Philippians is uh, chapter 4, verse 11 to 12 and verse 18. So Paul, verse 11, the second half of verse 11 says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul has learned to be content, whether he's hungry or full, whatever the circumstances are, because Paul gets his satisfaction from trusting God the Creator, God, who, his Father, who can and will provide for all of his needs as he sees fit. And remember, Paul is in jail, and I imagine it's not a comfortable jail, yet he's able to say, verse 18... I have more than enough. The principle we see for Paul's contentment is verse 13. Paul can be content whatever the circumstances he's in and even feel that he has more than enough with probably relatively little because verse 13, I can do all of this through him who gives me the strength. Paul trusts God who gives him strength. So, you know, yeah, sure, we still need physical food to survive. Uh, but Paul's faith is in God. His trust is in the goodness of God to give him what he needs. And this enables Paul to be satisfied. And this contentment through the letter of Philippians even leads to joy. So, the secret of contentment. Now, we live in a rich country here in Australia. Um, one observation I like to make as I travel from suburb to suburb is the type of cars that people drive. So just a couple of weeks ago, I found myself in Villawood, you know, not too far away from the detention centre. But there we go, in the, park, in, the, in the car park was a Mercedes-Benz. And next to the Mercedes-Benz was a BMW. And next to the, Mercedes, uh, the BMW was a Honda Civic, which is my, my, my favourite car. And then uh, last weekend, I was having dinner with a friend in Canterbury at her place, and working class Canterbury, we've we just gone to the races. The first time I've ever gone to the races, not, not that we were betting, we were just having a look at all the food that was being sold. But in Canterbury, working class Canterbury, there were BMWs parked in the, uh, the driveways. I think it's because they're close to the station and no one can afford Markville anymore and all that, so now they're in Canterbury. And no matter what suburb you live in, I bet there are heaps of Mazda 3s, because I think they're just everywhere, Mazda 3s. Well, it's possible to have a lot. It's possible to drive a brand new Mercedes-Benz and yet still feel lacking, to be dissatisfied, to not be happy. Well, the secret of contentment. Uh, what is it in Buddhism, the religion of my, uh, that I grew up with? Uh, 
the answer in Buddhism would be to get rid of desire. Don't be attached to material things. Don't even have a car, maybe. Otherwise, you'll get sad when your new car gets scratched, when it gets old, and when it leaves the showroom and depreciates in value by a couple of thousand dollars. And maybe you don't even catch public transport, because if you catch public transport, you might get sad when it doesn't arrive on time, or when it doesn't have air conditioning, and you're sitting in between two very big people and you have barely any room to breathe. In fact, Buddhism may lead you to what the ultimate Buddhist looks like, to remove yourself from the world, remove yourself from desire, remove yourself from everything. But I'm guessing even the monk who lives in the temple would rather sleep on a comfortable bed rather than have no bed. The monk in the temple would still rather have a roof over their head rather than no roof and delicious food with seasoning. Uh, I, I, I loved growing up as a Buddhist mainly because of the food, or well, one of the things. We'd, we'd go visit and there'd be these huge woks of food. How, how can vegetarian food be so delicious? It's because of all the salt, the soy sauce, the oyster sauce and the chilli. I reckon the monk was still rather that seasoning rather than raw vegetables. Well, how about the, uh, the Christian's point of view from Philippians chapter 4 for the secret of contentment? It would be that a bed is good. Having a bed is good. Having a house is good. Having food is good. Because everything that God has created is good. Uh, you're not to worship or to live for these things. But liking these things isn't bad. Instead, people are to thank God for all these things that they enjoy because they're the good gifts of a good God. So rather than getting rid of your desires, to redirect your desires to God, to trust God who can satisfy all your desires. And as a result, your happiness or your sadness is not on whether you drive a new car or catch a train. It's not dependent upon whether you've got air conditioning or not. Rather, it's dependent on your relationship with God. Because if you trust God, you can thank God for the car that you've got that's got air conditioning. It's not wrong to have a brand new car. But you can also thank God when you catch a train and there's no seat and you have to stand. And when it's one of those rattlers with no air conditioning. You can trust God. Trust, by trusting God, you can be content whether you have a little or a lot. How can you be content no matter how people treat you? We see uh, the teaching from Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 and verse 18. Paul is joyful that the Philippians have shown their concern for him in prison by sending their, their, one of their, their own, Epaphroditus, to care for his physical needs. So verse 10, Paul says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you've renewed your concern for me. And the second part of verse 18, I'm amply supplied now that I've received from Epaphroditus the gifts you've sent. Why is Paul joyful? Is Paul joyful because his needs are met through the gifts that have been sent? I don't think so. Because remember, Paul is able to be content whatever his circumstances are. So why is he joyful? The principle we get is from verses 17 to 18. Paul is joyful for the gifts, not because it is good for him, but because it is good for the giver. So verse 17, not that I desire your gifts. 
What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. And verse 18. The gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul is joyful that the Philippians are able to express their commitment to Jesus and the Christian cause by caring for him as their Christian brother and partner in the Christian cause. So the gifts they've sent show their love, not just of him, but it shows their love of the gospel, their love of Jesus, and so these are offerings and sacrifices pleasing to God. So the secret of contentment. Uh, With my Buddhist background, I I grew up uh, in the new year. Uh, We would go to the Buddhist temple, and this time we'd go to the one in Surrey Hills. And I remember a relative of mine at the sort of age when he wanted to get married. And so we all popped off to the Buddhist temple together. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, uh, maybe in some movies and for some fortune telling. And uh, you you rattle all of these sticks until one comes out with uh, the Chinese writing on it uh, to give you guidance for the coming year. And at the end of that time, uh, we'd hand over a a wad of cash to the uh, Buddhist monk. And uh, I remember how happy the monk was. I think I think I, uh, I could see the lust in his eyes, even now as I think about it. Uh, he was happy for the money that he could get. But uh, maybe he wasn't a true Buddhist. I think a true Buddhist, maybe, it wouldn't depend upon how people treated you for, for your happiness because you want to escape and separate yourself from feeling. So you're neither disappointed or elated. Um, uh, you want to follow the middle path. Well, how about uh, Philippians 4's answer? Well, uh, uh, sharing with you how I was at, in Parramatta yesterday and, and speaking, giving a Christmas talk. And there were two rooms that were packed to overflowing. Uh, sandwiches, drinks, and all sorts of things. But, you know, I walked away not even with a box of chocolates yesterday, but that's okay because it's okay to, to speak for free. But sometimes I get invitations to speak at churches. And... Um, uh, you know, sometimes you get, you get money in an envelope. Uh, my, my principle is to, to give that money straight back to City Bible Forum and then that, they can pay me the big bucks through whatever they get. Yeah. Uh, we're doing fundraising season at the moment, but yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I reckon you know, if, 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 if an organisation was even to give me $200 for speaking uh, and say I've spent 10 hours on the talk, 3 hours to be there and my petrol, I reckon I get about 10 bucks an hour. I reckon I'd earn more money working at Maccas, you reckon? Yeah. Um, so Christian, Christian service cannot be about the money. Instead, uh, the example to follow is Paul. Uh, Paul, now, my apologies, but my computer is just saying, whoops, there's a problem loading this page. Let me go to another one. So Paul, Paul rejoices that the Philippians give to him because it shows that they value Jesus, that they value the, uh, the ministry of the Christian cause and they value the messenger of good news. Well, if we were to be content like Paul was content, then you can be joyful about how people treat you, how people treat you well, 
And not just because uh, it's for your benefit, because it's for their benefit that they treat you, you well, because it's good for them that they treat you well. So, for example, I've got a nephew, uh, Stephen, and sometimes I take him out on a Friday night, and then I drop him back home. And I, I tell Stephen, uh, what do you say to Uncle Tor? And I, I teach him to say, oh, thank you, Uncle Tor, for taking me out. Now, you know, it, it's kind of nice for me to hear the thank you from Stephen's lips. But actually, it's for his benefit that he learns to be thankful. I want to teach him to be someone who, when someone gives him a good time, that he says thank you. Well, uh, this is the sort of contentment that we're going on about uh, here. True contentment when what you're seeking is the good of the other person rather than your own. Then you can be content no matter how people treat you uh, because what you have at heart is not your own interest but their interest. Well, the third question, uh, how can you be content through the good times and the hard times? Uh, verse 14 uh, gives us uh, what Philippians says. Uh, Paul says, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. So Paul is going through a rough patch in jail. Maybe he's hungry. Maybe he's lonely. How can he be content? The principle we get is in verse 19. He trusts in the God who can meet people's needs in the good times and the bad. So verse 19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. The secret of contentment. Uh, once again, uh, let's have a go at contrasting Buddhism's answer to the answer of Philippians. In uh, Buddhism, like lots of other religions, uh, you want to deserve merit in the life to come. So how you behave whether you behave selfishly or selflessly, it's connected to your future. Uh, in Buddhism, your future reincarnation. If you do enough good things, you'll be rewarded with a good reincarnation. And if you do uh, enough bad things, then you'll go down the ladder. Do you know the whole Chinese horoscope thing? Uh, where there are the 12, Chinese, 12 animals of the zodiac? Uh, I think uh, lots of people know what what animal they are now. It's a bit like knowing your star sign. But that, that's not just a little bit of fun, actually. So I was born in the year of the dragon, which is a really auspicious and all that kind of stuff. But I, in classic Buddhism, in terms of the, the one that I grew up with, if you do enough bad things, then you'll be reincarnated as not a human, a rat. Uh, yeah, so, so, so it's that sort of thing. Do enough bad things and you become, uh, you get reincarnated as something not very nice. But uh, Philippians chapter 4 and the whole teaching of Philippians is that you have a, a relationship with God that you don't deserve. It's a relationship by grace. And you do good stuff, not to gain merit, but you do it as someone who's already right with God. So you would exercise generosity, not in order to make God generous to you. Now you exercise generosity because God has already been generous to you. And you trust God to provide. So Paul trusts God to provide for his needs and the uh, Philippians' needs. So whether in good times or hard times, you trust God to meet all your needs. And not just material needs, but physical needs, emotional needs, all your needs. And from that place of trust, you can be generous with everything you have. Uh, whether you can offer people your company, your friendship, 
your help. Uh, so the secret to peace and returning to those three stories. Well, uh, remember Matt, who uh, loves things and loves holidays. Um, Matt's always looking for the next thing to make him happy. Well, as long as Matt ties his happiness to things and experiences, then his happiness will always be up and down. But if Matt were to tie his happiness to God, the giver of good gifts, then he would tie his happiness to something that doesn't change. He would tie his happiness to to God and God's goodness, uh, which doesn't change, and he can have true contentment. Or remember Hillary and the relationship that she's got with her husband. Um, Well, it's difficult. Uh, No easy answers here. But something that Hillary can know is that um, uh, it's good also for her husband's sake, for her husband to to love her. It's good for the longevity of their marriage if they're seeking to be married for the rest of their lives. However, she's not in control of how her husband treats her. She is in control of how she can love her husband and and, and keep doing that. She can do her best to, to love him. Uh, But she can tie her relationship to God, whose love for her doesn't change. And that will give her the best chance for contentment. And finally, uh, Victor. Victor, the junior doctor, who wants to be a senior doctor in the hospital that he's working at. What can can give him lasting contentment? Uh, It's interesting. I've met at least uh, two people in my lives with double degrees. Uh, a commerce degree and a law degree in, in two instances, both both the same. They don't know each other. And during financial hard times, they go, oh, I feel insecure. Uh, I, you know, and, and they get these high-flying jobs at these big companies, but they're feeling insecure. And I go, what's going on in your head? Out of all the people in the world, let alone Sydney, you know, you, 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 you've got double degree, you get a double degree, you know, a law degree. But they've got this job insecurity. And then they go off and do medicine. No, no, no joke, two people. They've already studied for five, six years, now they want to do another six years. In order to find and grab this, you know, if only I become a doctor, I'll, I'll never lose a job or something like that. But that, that, that sort of, uh, finding that sort of job security is, um, is silly. The job security will always be there. So you can become the leading surgeon and then lose your physical ability. What happens then? You, can't, you can no longer be a surgeon. Or other people who look for job satisfaction. Uh, If you can get job satisfaction, that's a gift. But for most of us, each day is a bit of a grind. A lot of work is just mundane. And you you just get get through it. Job satisfaction is a wonderful thing if you can get it. But you can't always get it. However, contentment in God is something that is on offer. And it's something that can be stable because God doesn't change. So uh, the secret to contentment is to ask yourself those two questions. Uh, Who is God and how can I relate to God by faith? Questions? Brilliant. Um, So we've got a couple that have come through on the SMS line. Um, Is is the contentment you're talking about uh, a feeling or more about action? 
So is the contentment that we see in uh, is the contentment that we see in Philippians chapter four is it more of a feeling or is it uh, action? Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not one hundred percent sure. I, 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 I'll just have a stab. I, maybe it's both. So um, yeah, so con- contentment can be when you know that God is in control, whatever the circumstances you're in. Um, so maybe sometimes it's a bit like a anxiety as well. Uh, sometimes you can still feel anxious, but if you're someone who, who trusts God, you can feel anxious and trust God at the same time, but it can shape your actions as a result. So even though you're feeling anxious and worried, uh, you still take the step to trust God and, 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 do, and do something positive, uh, like, like pray, or uh, you do something positive uh, that might... Yeah. Uh, something good. So maybe, um, yeah, so I suppose content, contentment can have that, that mental aspect, that, that emotional aspect, but um, maybe it can also shape your action. So I think, uh, think of the whole area of money. Whoever feels like they've got enough money? So uh, I, I went through uni with my bank account balance moving between two digits and three digits. You know, sometimes it was $90, sometimes it was 100 and something dollars. And I was so happy when I got my first job at the Crown Solicitor's Office because all of a sudden now, when I went to the ATM, it moved between three digits and four digits. I could splurge now. But, you know, but once you get my graduate salary, and then uh, you, know, you move on and get other jobs, and um, but it, I think you know, everything always creeps up, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I'm no longer happy with three digits. And I want, I want the thing to move between four and five digits now. Um, so that's that sort of thing. But if I was content, if I was to know God as my creator and father and to relate to him by faith, to trust that he will provide for all my needs, whether I have a little or a lot, uh, then that sort of contentment uh, uh, is something that's consistent, no matter how many digits there are in my, my NAB savings account. But, but if I was content, it could also shape my actions. That um, there, are other, there are other people in the world who, who you know, never... It goes between uh, zero and one digit. Uh, but if I'm content, then no matter how much I have, then I, I am free to give to other people. Uh, so it's wonderful to know about uh, our causes around the world, and no matter how much we have, that, that we we're able to give to those causes. So I can show my contentment by being generous. Thanks, um, Paul. There's a couple here that I'll, I'll kind of use into one question. Um, is there? How do I know if I'm, I'm being discontent uh, or enjoying... Uh, if I'm being discontent or I'm actually just enjoying what God has given me, you know, say I'm buying a car, um, and is there a difference between uh, being content and being complacent? So it might go in the other direction. So, so how do I know uh, whether I'm being content and enjoying the car or, or whether the car or whatever else it might be um, has become more than it, than, than, than it, than it ought, ought, ought to be? Um, yes, yeah, so, so I think that's a stark distinction from, from other religions where you want to escape from earthly things. But in the Christian faith, the things of this world are good and are to be enjoyed, but they're to be enjoyed with thanksgiving. Uh, maybe I'll use an illustration of something uh, more simple than, than a car. Uh, so I, whenever, whenever I, I, I eat a meal, I always go, wow, this food is so good. Uh, God could be a God who, who makes food which is just functional, where you just eat. And, uh, but the food we eat, there's all these colours and textures and varieties and all the spices. Uh, God is such a good God to make food in all its colour and variety. Uh, so it just shows that there are things in the world that are to be enjoyed. And uh, a car, I remember when I got my first car, uh, hand me down from my cousin, a Honda Civic 1991, red. 
and she put in a CD player for me. And I thought it was the bee's knees. Um, and it was just fantastic. Uh, uh, but w- w- when does it become something that assumes more than just a thing to be enjoyed? Or, or sometimes, do you ever get into that thing where um, your life becomes, uh, with the food thing, all of a sudden it becomes, what's the, the best burger joint to go to? And then your mind becomes, you know, uh, obsessed with that. You know, maybe obsessed is too big a word, but it can get to that, can't it? When you move from day to day, weekend to weekend or whatever, thinking about the next place you're going to wine and dine, then all of a sudden, you know, food has taken on a different level. To it being something that you enjoy as a part of life, to being something that, that shapes your life, then, 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 then you know, it's, um, it's moved into a realm that, that it ought not to have. Uh, a phrase that some people have used is, when a good thing becomes a God thing, then, you know, it's uh, entered a, a dangerous territory. What's the second half of that question? Uh, so the second part was, um, how do I know if I'm being content or complacent? What's the difference? Uh, how do I know if I'm being content or complacent? Uh, it's interesting. I, I was having dinner with my mate Joseph last night at a Vietnamese restaurant where it's really good uh, beef noodle soup. Anyway, but that's another story. But we're talking about Thailand. And you, you might know that the king of Thailand has uh, died recently. And uh, uh, he was talking about how... Uh, in Thailand, uh, and so you know, 90-something percent Buddhist, there's a sense of, um, uh, of complacency. And he's scared that it's Buddhism that, that shapes that complacency, that you, you neither want too much nor too little, the sort of middle path. Uh, but it can lead to, to laziness, where people say, you know, oh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and so I, I, you know, it could be a generalisation where, where the Thais don't compete for the global market. In things, you know, like near enough is good enough. Uh, we've got enough at the moment. Uh, that, that, that sort of thing. But uh, we're, we're contrasting that with the Christian view. For say, work. Uh, in the Christian view, you work hard with all of your heart, and uh, it's not necessarily in order to accumulate more things for yourself, but for the good of other people and for the good of society. So you work hard with all of your might, and yet you're content with whatever fruit you get from that work, whether you, um, I suppose, you know, we always want a, a bigger income rather than a smaller income, but you work hard, you know, whether you're paid $50,000 or whether you're paid $75,000 uh, for, for your job. So contentment uh, is not to be confused with complacency, uh, I don't think. Yeah. Thanks for that. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city, or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.